Shirt Show. All right, let's go. Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Shirt Show! All right! Episode 141 of Shirt Show! We're talking with Garrett from High Desert Print Co. in California. Handsome. Hey there, handsome. Nice jacket. Hey, thanks. It's a little chilly here today. Yeah, here too. Check, check. You, can, can you hear me? I, I can hear you. How are the ribs? <laughs> uh, pretty good. I'm learning how to basically manage not being in pain. The worst part is sleeping. Oh, yeah. Cause I want to like roll and move around and now it's like, I have to lay on my side and face one direction or it hurts. You know, what's weird that I never really thought of. And I realize now, cause my ribs is like totally fine throughout the day, unless I like cough or sneeze or, you know, have to bend over. But like, as soon as you step foot outside in the cold, like it hurts like a motherfucker. Hmm. Like, I feel like your body just automatically like tenses up like you're, when you're outside and like as soon as it's like that tense it just like hurts and i'm just like it's weird because like every step i can feel like it but then i kind of like stop and like take a deep breath and like relax my muscles i think or like mm-hmm. stop being tense from being outside it goes away so like this morning i went for a walk around the lake and like i just had to stop a couple times and like take a deep breath and be like fucking stop being tense like it makes no sense what's uh what's new with the kong anything Oh, your uh, NFL. Yeah, so I got the holograph, Graham. Holographic. It's a thing. Like it's all. It's a real thing. Like this is different than two years ago when we did it. And so, why? um, It's just way more uh, detailed and complicated. Like sticker goes here on the box, and then like they kind of like got their shit together with it a little bit, and now it's like I would say that exactly what I want. So we're printing, we've dedicated two presses, okay? 360, what they want is 360 pieces per press per hour. So that's 720 per hour. And so if you're picking up every two hours, that's 1440. So we're doing 1440 every two hours, which is cool. It's very doable. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was going to say that doesn't seem that stressful. It's not, but the problem. It's the printing part is not stressful. It's the packing. Packing and labeling be, and stickering and everything. Exactly. Because the boxes, the way they you stack them, you stack five per layer and then seven layers, and the, all the labels have to be facing out. And then this is the this is the neat part. You put a tracking device on it. Really? Real-time tracking. So like they can you know, pull up GPS and say, oh, that pallet is wherever What's it the is. the tracking they, device look like? Freaking like James Bond shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, like, uh, like it, they sent, it came from the, from Quantico, like the Pentagon, you know, right, it's real. Right. A guy in a fucking MIB suit dropped it off. Yeah. It got me thinking about stuff. Yeah. Tracking things, you know, so I mean, it's smart, it's an investment for them, you know, and it's like a rush it thing. Is. So, if you're like, I don't know where this is, they're like, Fuck you, I got a tracker on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's great, right? <laughs> that's true. You, you want to read it? My favorite childhood memory is my back not hurting. 
I'm going to yeah. wear it every day. I think, I think that's, I would just made it just now, but I, yeah, so had, had, had time to put it on, but <laughs> it is right now. Honestly, that is it, man. I've, cause I've hit rock bottom, dude, but enough of that. Yeah. Let's not talk about our ailments anymore. No. How's it going on? Like up there, bippage wise, are you, um, you got stuff to do? Uh, it was pretty bipped, but it's picking up. Uh, okay. so it's been, it's been pretty good. Mm. Um, I, I'm enjoying, like, normally I'm kind of stressed out about this time, but I feel like I'm enjoying it now because like, I've got a bunch of projects I'm working on and mm. things I'm testing out and I don't know. It's nice to have this period. I feel like it's nice to just have a breather and be able to fucking work on stuff and not be you stabbed say, every five seconds. You said you're on your period. Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm on my period. And, um, huh. yeah, like, I don't know. It's been good. <laughs> That's all you got. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm on my period and you know, it's been good. <laughs> yeah. It's better than cool. I thought it would be. I don't know what all the fuss is about. Yeah. Right. Like deal with it. Man, we're gonna. We terrible. Not, yeah, <laughs> we, I take all of that back. Like you, you women are Chad, so strong. Chad, you need to edit all this out. <laughs> and you, I don't know how you do it. Like super tough. Like I'm not like this. You're just nope. pandering right now. Am I digging myself a deeper yeah. hole? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about Valentine's Day. I've got a little <laughs> um, Reese's. So you check. You know what this is? This is called a blossom top. Is it Reese's Pieces or Reese's nope. Pieces? It's neither. It's a Reese's. I know that it, isn't. I'm just saying in general. Oh, are you? A, well, which one are you? Say it again. Reese's Pieces or Reese's Pieces? Reese's Pieces. Right. Well, there's yeah, a lot I'm, of people who say Reese's Pieces. Well, no, but I say it. Well, they say it wrong. Right. So check this out. When you peel back this layer of this mini peanut butter cup blossom top you got a puffy nipple you have pink love for valentine's day on the top oh so good Mm -hmm. you hear that (laughs) you want one no thanks Mm -mm. no i'll give you sure throw it hold on Trying to watch the uh trying to watch the candy and sugar intake. Got it at Target if you're looking. Okay, cool. Thanks. Ready? Is it strawberry on top? Yeah, I would call it that, probably. Okay. All right, hit me with it. Oh, wrapper still on? You'll just shit it out, right? You're fine. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Right. Mm, thanks. <laughs> I swallowed it whole. It took a minute uh, to get all the way to New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the the um, balloon passed through over Shirkong. The Chinese balloon? Yeah. Did you know that? It went over Missouri. I don't really know anything about that story. I know. I know, really I know that, that it did. Well, it didn't go over New York because they didn't give a shit about New York. Yeah. Nobody cares. It went over. It basically just went over Shirkong. Okay. If you're wondering, um, it's just a distraction. We'll give Tony, Tiny Fish Tony, some love. Oh, you got his uh, fundraiser tea? Like, this is a good print. Mm-hmm. It's better than ours. Like, if not ours, not, not yours. Not, it's not difficult. 
I love screen printers, but everybody else can fuck off. Because I was at uh, mm-hmm. Target, walking out of Target this weekend with my, I'm moving a little slow, okay? I That's just the way it goes right now. If you're with me, I want to warn you, if you want to hang out with me, you're moving slow. You're <laughs> like annoyingly slow, like mm-hmm. it, you'll, you'll get annoyed. So I, but I was by myself and I walked out of Target and I was crossing a little little road there to go to my car in the parking lot and I almost got hit twice because people were so fucking impatient they just had to get to Target or there's it's like there's Home Goods and Target and Sephora and they had to go get their shit they couldn't wait for this old man to cross the road mm-hmm. can we be bitter old and men for a minute we can we'll and right keep, then keep complaining about people <laughs> right and you know what the true this is a true story and right then when that happened the lady almost hit me I thought to myself, because hey, we had just watched um, The Last of Us, I thought to myself, I want to be right now in post-apocalyptic. So you could have just taken uh, her out? I guess either that, yeah, like it's lawless and you can just take her out, or there's just nobody. You see what I'm right. saying? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm at Target getting whatever I want and there's nobody running me over. I can walk at my mm-hmm. own pace. That's what I thought. I actually th- thought that for a second. <clears throat> I feel like post or no pre a bunch of travel i was i'm in a small town and you know you see the same people all the time and they're friendly mm-hmm. and they say your name and like all this other stuff and you're like oh people are cool and then you travel and you fucking lose all hope in humanity when you travel you mean like, the was traveling or what do you mean just what? in general like most of it is like the actual traveling like going to the airport mm-hmm. People in the airport Uh-oh. are super impatient. People on a yeah. fucking plane that got to stand as soon as the fucking wheels touch the ground. It's like, dude, sit the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's getting off. Like, we go in order. Like, why do you have to immediately stand? Have you maybe they just never fart in my face while I'm sitting down patiently waiting? It almost seems like they've never humaned before. Yeah. You tried to get me on that one, you son of a bitch. It all starts with a screen, and whether it is new stretches or restretches, Frank and his team do it the best. To find out more, go to graphicscreenfashion.com, F F F F F rank.com or greatfuckingscreens.com. You're gonna say I, something. I heard you I, breathe in. You breath. Yeah, you... I was I had to take a deep breath to talk about Frank for a second. I mean, if you want to skip over it, we can, but I don't. I didn't know you wanted to say something, but by I've all means. I've just been in this period of reflection and time to build on the, you know, the shop and stuff. I was kind of thinking about ordering more 2536s to do some mm. no tape tests to see if we would need tape. I have one right here if you want it. I mean, I have a bunch of them here. I'm just saying, like, I kind of want to, like, slowly introduce more to where it's like. You know, I want to run some long jobs and see if, like, I like it's going to run off or if the no tape thing is a good idea. Long jobs, meaning lots of quantity or long jobs, meaning long print. Both. Ha. Okay. Makes sense. Long jobs for you are like 12 shirts or what is it? 12 and a half pieces. Okay. So cleaning screens is no fun, but easy way makes it funner. Their line of eco-friendly chemicals will make reclaiming screens a whole lot easier. Check them out at easyway.com. Easy way. It's the easiest way. If you or your art department could use some love, then you need to go to 1-900-HOTSTUFF.COM and get in touch with Nick or Lucas 
Nick Lucas. Sorry, I had to at, go off. That's okay. Bless you. At Graphics Source, make them your source for production-ready digital art. Dylan, choosing the right emulsion for your shop is complicated, and that's why we love Chromaline. You want to go to chromaline.com, and you will get the answers that you need. Mm-hmm. Chromaline. Now's the time, too. Now's the time to dive deep mm-hmm. into your darkroom. Get that shit dialed before it gets busy. Who we got on today? Today, we are talking to Garrett Gerstenberger, and he is from High Desert Print Company. How would you say this? I'll spell it for you. C-U-Y-A-M-A. How would you say that? Kuyama? Is that... Yeah, I like that. Kuyama or Kuy... Kuy... Kuyama. <laughs> I hope it's Kuyama. It's <laughs> fucking terrible. Or maybe it's C-U-Yama. Dude, definitely C-U-Yama. Let's ask him. I hope that's what it is. You know, we were wondering on that map where C-U-Yama is. C-U-Yama. You're looking for Kuyama. <laughs> oh, See, okay. I was right. See? No, you yeah. didn't say Q. What did you say? Yes, I did. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, Kuyama? Okay. You know, it's like Kuyama, Kuyama. I don't know. There's. It's so funny because everyone tries to pronounce it and it's... Mm. It's it's butchered. Okay, so a quick lesson in geography. All of this green area here mm. is national forest. Mm. Uh, Santa Barbara's got a bunch of mountains backed up to it, so that's what makes the the Riviera or Santa Barbara what it is. But um, essentially, crows fly over Santa Barbara in about twenty miles. You'll get to where is it? Right here get to a place called Kuyama. So it's actually geographically not that far. If we bore a tunnel, we can be there in 15 minutes, but it's just, it's isolated and it's in a rural Mm. town. Um, Yeah. So you have to either drive two hours one way, two hours the other way to get there. Um, But it's beautiful. And um, yeah, you guys need to come. That's that's where you're living? uh, No, I live in Santa Barbara. Um, I'm out there part-time. So I'm usually here in our, our office is in Santa Barbara, um, where our original print shop is. It's turned into a retail store. So we have another set of staff out there and we we use that as our, our office. So we're kind of spread out. Okay. Well, why that? What's the thinking behind all that? Well, let's be honest here. The most important thing is that Santa Barbara in California is really expensive. And finding commercial space in Santa Barbara, um, and we've we, we dealt with this for, for 10, 12 years of trying to find, you know, anything bigger than 2,000 square feet, you're, you're, you're paying an arm and a leg. And it just, the, the combination of what we do and how we do it in the place, just, it, it felt like it didn't make sense. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a couple other reasons, but I mean, we were, Originally, we were approached by um, a nonprofit called Blue Sky Center who has facilities out there. Um, that's another story. But they they approached us and we looked at this concept of how do we have um, production in a different place? We have space here that is um, their supply and our demand was warehouse space. So we looked at kind of everything we could and say, can we make a print shop work in the middle of this place that doesn't seem to make sense. Um, and we spent a year and a half, two years kind of ideating on that. And yeah, so part of that is we need space, which we don't have here. Uh, there's a larger conversation about the cost of 
labor and living and working in California and Santa Barbara. So we we decided to pull the trigger and say, let's give this a shot. And um, the other side of it is that there is a, it's beautiful out there. Like it's, it's quiet. Right. You feel like you're in Mars, you take a two hour drive and you feel like you're in a totally different place. And so there is to the point of the place it's it's absolutely beautiful mm. open skies you can see as far as you can there's mountainsides that cradle the valley so um I, I just i love it out there and so there's a nourishment that's not related to the economics of the business that really fulfill me there um and then the last part is the community there's there's a beautiful small community in this town of 700 people um that is very different than the the life experience that i have living in santa barbara in a larger urban center um, it's very different and very unique and I have the ability to experience both. So there's, there's, there's more qualities there than just, Hey, we need a place to print t-shirts. I think that's a, that's a huge topic in itself is because there's so many people like even we've talked to or just other shops that we know that struggle with that, you know, they're, they're in downtown LA or they're in New York city or whatever. And, um, it's like, our buddy Gabe, but maybe tomorrow it's like, he's, he used to be in the city and then he was talking about expanding and like having a bigger shop. And then he looked at what rent was and it was like, Holy fuck. Like we're going to have to do a lot more work just to keep up with all this stuff. So then they moved to Hudson Valley and it's like, now they have enough space, like more than enough space and they're doing great. And we had this discussion the other day where it's kind of like, he was scared to lose clients from going from his New York city spot to where he is now. And it's like, he was like, no, it was great. They all basically came and we got more and everything. So how does that work? Like, I know you were, you said you were kind of thinking about like what to do or if it would change, but is it, is it working really well to have production and labor costs in the smaller town and then keeping the storefront and the, I guess the sales where you are now? Yeah, I would say uh, it hasn't been easy. It really hasn't been easy. It's, it's a really hard thing to try to really stretch yourself. And we, I mean, we had to train and hire all out there. Um, yeah. Well, I want the pros and cons. Like I want the real, like this is, if you try to do this, this is what we ran into. Yeah. So um, about our industry though, I, I have to say it's really interesting because it takes a huge footprint to create a product that's really low costing, right? We need uh, 15 feet of diameter to print t-shirts that a lot of people, um, th there's just not as much margin in the work that we do with the required space and the type of skilled labor that we need. And there's all these different variables that make it really difficult to do, especially in a place like California. Um, so pros and cons of a rural print shop, um, which I've, I've, I've found a lot of people are very curious about. And I found a handful of print shops that have done that over the years for the same reason. It's the cost is yeah. virtually impossible to do that. So there's a cost factor that, that is benefiting for us. We're, we're paying something close to like a Texas, you know, square foot, uh, rental price, which is also hard to think about where, there's folks in the Midwest, there's folks in the South, there's folks all over this place that we're competing on the same exact level, but mm -hmm. our raw costs are like exponentially more. Um, so, you know, in the grand scheme of things, how does that make sense in the long run for being in California? You know, shops in San Francisco and the Bay Area I've heard of are having the same issues as those in LA. It's like, we just, we, we can't, we can't afford this unless you've bought a building, which you've been doing, you know, maybe 20, 30 years. So the benefits are, you know, the, 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 the costs might be lower, but you know, you have to also, um, expect that something else has to overcompensate like our shipping. So, you know, the shipping systems change, our lead times change. 
um, rush orders that can we get this done within 24 to 40 hours? No, but maybe that also filters out the stuff that we don't, that actually ruins our process or makes it more difficult. (laughs) I was going to say those jobs are the ones kind of anyway that you'd be okay not doing. Yeah. Um, and I'd say over time, I'm okay with that. Like it does force our hand into being really dialed with our logistics. Um, how do we get product back and forth? That was, you know, a constant issue of I'd be out there, we'd haul it back. Okay. We don't have enough space. Do we get a trailer? Do we find a courier system? What's the shipping systems out there? And at this point, yeah, we've dialed in that UPS is a one day ship to us. So we have to always be ahead of schedule by at least two days. Mm. Um, we have a hired courier that, you know, couriers back and forth when we need it, which is a same day delivery. So if we could, what is handle- that? I'm curious what that courier costs. Like we have a, we have two courier services that we have accounts with and we use them every single day, sometimes, you know, multiple times. And that saves our butts because even though St. Louis is um, not as far, I guess, as what you're talking about, you know, um, two hour drive or something, it can be uh, because of traffic or something, you know, so what's your radius that you're delivering generally? maybe it's 40 miles if I had to guess something yeah. like that. Um, but the problem is, is that your St. Louis has a bunch of rivers and you have bridges and there's bottlenecks, you know, it's, uh, you can get stuck in some bad traffic. And so, um, but you're talking, it, it's a two hour drive one way, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so courier, it's four hours <laughs> fucking there. And back. Yeah. So if you have a courier service or, or company that can schedule mm-hmm. a, a, the closest driver to go point A to point B and then pick up something else within their, you know, delivery system. Right. We have someone that kind of lives, he's a courier driver, but I, I found him on Craigslist and was, we, I just kind of pitched out, Hey, here's what we do. What's your, and um, he's in the kind of middle point of our route between our print shop and our retail store. So but he's doing a four hour round trip, which is what you're saying. You know, it's an hour out, it's an hour down, mm-hmm. it's an hour back. And so he's, or, you know, it's, 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 so we pay, we pay $150 for that, mm-hmm. which complements what he needs to do, which is get into Santa Barbara to do the work that he does in the morning. So again, it's just taking the time to find, you know, what are our weak points in having a rural place? How do we solve those? Which is, you know, the deliveries, which we've mapped essentially and filtered out the things we don't want. And, um, yeah, that's those are. I, uh, I'll solve this for you right now. Drones. Yeah. Well, the, the the beautiful thing is there's a really cool airstrip out there. So if you guys, if anyone has the time, just just Google Map New Kuyama and just zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, and it's just like a big old open space. And there's this really, it's a wide, it's four thousand foot airstrip, like seven forty seven could land on it, and it's an old <laughs> industrial airstrip that was built by the oil company out there. So drones might be something, but everyone's telling me. Got to get a plane. So I think the real question is the nuts and bolts of it is like, is it worth it? Like, are you noticing the bend? Like if you had the print shop in Santa Barbara and you were just like trying to, you know, like you said, you only have so much margin to play with. And then would you be profitable in Santa Barbara with everything or doing the split to where you have stuff in Nukuyama to where you are now? Is it more profitable? Or are you just like kind of in the same scenario? So I would do it all over again. As much as I've I've endured the gray hairs on my chin for all the stress of being rural, um, I really appreciate the decision um, and the experience that I've had about it. What's that like though? Does that give you, because it's so small in 700, you mentioned earlier, it's like a community. Does, does that give your team a different perspective on you know, working at your shop, you know what I mean? So like, I guess they all, do they already know each other Yeah. <laughs> by the time they 
they join you? Yeah. Um, it's a really wild thing to experience, uh, a, a community like that. That's really rural and really small because there's, I mean, that's everyone knows everybody. It's, it, it took us, I would say about four years to find consistent work out there, like consistent mm. people that we can trust and train. And we, we found ourselves in this loop of either not finding enough work or talent, obviously, because there's not very many folks out there. Um, and then retention or the ability to, you know, train on a press or train on a certain service that is inherently difficult to do. Um, so I'd say, you know, if you if someone's really considering you know, resetting your entire production team and, and investing yourself in a rural community, you'd have to expect probably anywhere between two to five years to really integrate with that, the people and the place uh, to find some consistency. Um, there's a lot of instability out there. And I think one thing that's important now that I've done it, it's you can't just go buy a building and or rent a building and set up a shop and train people uh, in small rural towns like that. The community is really, really important. And so um, you, you have to invest in being part of that community. It's really easy for an outsider to come in and people don't want you there. Dylan, do you experience that same thing? What, just not wanting people to come in? No, being, cause I know your, your town's bigger than 700, but yeah, it's um, like 1500. Okay, it's so not you, much bigger. So some of this resonates with you, you know, the the small. All of this resonates with me because it's funny. Like I've always thought about this, and it's it's like you said, like you know, you might be Andy or you or whatever in a city where cost of living is higher, your wages have to be higher, uh, cost of everything is higher, like rent and overhead and everything. And it's like me out here in the sticks owning an old train station that I renovated and I've, I've had paid off and all this other stuff. It's like, I have little to no overhead cost of living's cheap and we're doing the same jobs and making the same money. I mean, I'm making, I might make more money because I have, you know, less overhead and everything. But the thing of it is, is it's a trade-off. And I noticed this when I worked in Atlanta for those couple of years doing everything was the trade-off is being in the city you just get way more work locally like when i was in atlanta we had people walking in all day every day like all the custom a lot of the customers that we had were from atlanta and it was just constantly like you're in a bigger pool of people so like people are coming in all the time like andy most of your shit's from st louis oh yeah right? 90 90 percent right that's what i'm saying like mm. half a percent of what i do is local <laughs> Just saying if you set yourself up as like a good, like you're a good company, you focus on something, you have a niche, you, you do, you check all the boxes, you can do well, like you can have an open sign and you can have good ad, like not good ads, but like good on Google reviews and everything from just doing your job correctly. I feel like you could just sustain and be open and just wait for shit to flow in. Like we have to hustle every day to like go find people all over the world that want to work with us and are willing to ship. Like, like you're saying you're, you're worried about shipping costs. Like every single one of our order ships, mm. like we have to fight on, like, it's rare that we have a pickup, like every order we have to calculate, Oh, it's going to California. Mm. You know, it's going to Santa Barbara. You know, we've, <laughs> we've, we've done jobs specifically where we look up the shipping and it's mm. next door to a shop that we know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they fucking got it from New York shipped to California instead of getting it from the guy next door. So it's like, 
that's the trade-off is like, yeah, I mean, I might make more money per job than you guys do because I have less overhead, but I have to fight for it. So like my goal is to have to just be really good at marketing and really good at what we do in order to keep like a lot of jobs coming in. And if I can do that, then yeah, I'll be a more profitable company because I don't have all the bills that you guys have. Garrett, is that the same for you? Like the same can, approach marketing? Yes, yes and no. I mean, our, I think there's a benefit to having our office and retail store in the Santa Barbara area that has that identity. We've been there mm-hmm. for 15 years. So there's a ton of people that don't even know where we print our stuff. So, you know, we, 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 we operate that as just a standard storefront um, in, in some aspects. And then those who know our High Desert brand... Um, that we eventually rebranded into, there is an appeal to that. There's an appeal to the type of conversation or um, the 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 work we do, and that that's that's part of our brand. Is is we we work with really interesting, um, you know, customers that are that are like minded that that are that want to support the work we do and the message that we have behind it. So if we can package that that that. Um, that ethos together, then place doesn't necessarily matter. Like we have tons of people that come to us that whether it's through referrals or through past work where they're like, we love absolutely what you do, how you're doing it. We follow the story. We, we know the nonprofit that is an advocacy based, mm. you know, nonprofit that's supposed to support the local area. And uh, we'll take whatever, whatever, just, just send us the invoice. How's the shop doing right now? Cause I feel like uh, the main discussion around the industry right now is everybody's slower than usual. We are totally dead. Um, we had a really busy January, but I think I have to reorient myself that January or February is always really slow. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much we can, I don't know how many times we could clean the presses, uh, right, right. Swept, sweep the floor. Move the inks. We just like rotate things like rotate shelves in the shop at this point, which is, it's, just, it's, it's nerve wracking at times, but uh, you know, it, I just expect that we're gonna, you know, always have, um, a slow quarter one and we make it all back in two and three and four. And so instead yeah, but, of, you know, this is exceptionally slow. That's the problem. Like we're, we were down 30 something percent, you know, and for January. And also, I mean, we've heard Dylan and I, maybe you, you maybe have too, that there's layoffs happening in this industry and, and actually also other industries. There's just a lot of layoffs going on right now, which is kind of eye-opening. Have you heard of, of any out there where you are? Uh, not in the industry, just, you know, the, I, I'm nervous about the, like, I don't know, Zoom just laid off 15% of their, their entire workforce. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how often or how, if we're going to be able to use Zoom for the rest of your shirt shows, but I'd think about an alternative, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to lean into this, the media fear. I mean, we've been, I feel like that's the problem is that everybody keeps talking about this recession, recession, recession. Is it actually a thing or is it just something everyone's talking about and freaking out and holding their money and not buying anything and not doing anything? Yet the market is still surging. Um, And it just, we look at these, like the, these, you know, macro, uh, variables and it's re- it, it's just it's really hard, which I guess is why it makes it very um, unstable, right? We don't know what to expect in the future. Um, there are cutbacks in in December and in quarter four for all of these, you know, blue, blue chip or um, tech companies, and we had you know almost record breaking consumer spending during the holidays too. So it's like I don't know, like how much can I really extrapolate that information and put it into like my own small business? Um, 
how do I stay lean? Which part of that has been really resolved. Like COVID for us, we were really lean. We, you know, our, our overhead for rent for both our office and retails uh, and our production is 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 really really low. And so, if we need to hunker down, then we can. Um, which is part of the benefit of you know being in a rural place where if we're having to navigate something like a pandemic for a year or two, um, if we were in Santa Barbara and I did the math that we were paying, we're paying a 10th of what we were paying now. We're paying a 10th now of what we're paying in Santa Barbara. Uh, I would have, I would have probably closed my doors and shut things down within three or four months if I stayed there. So let's talk about like the truth of it is, is like here we have a couple people that, they have they work here but like they don't necessarily need the money they like live at home still or whatever like those are the people that we don't like target them but those are the people that you ask like hey it's slow right now like instead of you coming in and polishing the press for the fifth time do you do you want to just stay home and nine times out of ten they're just like yeah like i'll fucking sleep in i'll play video games or whatever because they don't need the money right now like they don't care they're just like making money to make money and have a job um, so we have a couple of people that are just like, Hey, do you want to work these days this week? And they're just like, I can take it or leave it. And we're like, okay, well, we'll just run skeleton crew until it picks back up. And then when it picks up, we'll call you and you come back in. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe on when people apply here, my first question should be, do you live at home? Like with your parents? Yes. Yeah. I mean, do you have any of that um, in your place, Andy? Like where you can just be like, do you want to um, work this week or not? I, there are two people that work that are part-time. And they are the first that we go to to ask because they're usually a yes. You know, they're one of them is a student. And so they'll just be like, yeah, cool. I'll go do some homework. And the other one is an artist. And they'll be like, yeah, cool. I'll go do some art. You know what I mean? So like they're, those are the only people we ever ask. Otherwise I've, um, everyone here gets close to 40, no matter what, you know, we'll find something. And if not, we'll, we'll add some hours in. So, I mean, I just, because there's only a few there's only a couple lean months and I want to yeah. make sure that everybody can pay their bills. That's a tough decision, right? Because, you know, I guess that's one, there's lots of ways to retain a good team. And we've talked about this before, you know, there's, there's it's the insurance policy. And you're saying like the insurance policy of a paycheck. Yeah, that's, it's true. Right. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be, you don't want to work somewhere eight, nine, 10 months out of the year only to be like, you know, sent home. And have right. some miserable couple of months that you're struggling. And then also sometimes using up PTO days and things like that. That's no fun. For me, I know that like I save up, like I have a savings account that basically I put money in all year just mm. for these two months. Like I know that like I might have to dip in. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Like I dip yeah, into but sometimes, it for payroll or expenses or whatever. I would say there's some people here that do that, but also there's people here that um haven't been here a year and they don't know what january and february february is like no i'm saying you know, as an so, owner like shop oh, yeah. money saved for this time period to where like i can make sure everything's paid for regardless oh i see of sales. what you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. are you I doing that we, too gear yeah we factor that i mean we have we have a runway so i mean that's just it's cyclical we we find ourselves sometimes being do we need you know when slow season comes or if there's a dip then it's like well we don't I don't know that we pr we'll probably have too many hours on payroll right now. How do we solve that? And a long time ago, we, like you said, we just factored in saying, you know, this is a 12 month position. And regardless of the, 
whether it's slow or busy, we we have to invest and use it for us as an insurance policy. So, you know, they're going to get 40 hours. And, and for us, when, when um, our lack of resources, employment, especially in Kuyama, we have to, we have to lock that employment in. Um, we can't bring someone else in and, uh, and, in a busy season, expecting them to know all of our operations. So mm-hmm. yeah, we, we just, we just eat the cost and, you know, there might be within six months, if there's really some systemic change in our industry with the economy, then obviously, you know, it should be tracking that and, and making some, some business decisions, but yeah, yeah we just kind of, I I've said it that I have the obligation to, to pay them. Um, I, and it, it pays off in the busy season when they put in a little extra work or, um, you know, it, 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 it's just what we do. Yeah. I'm curious to the listeners, like if you, how do you do it? Do you lay people off? Do you keep them on? And the biggest question is what do you do with the people? Like if you are keeping your whole staff on 40 hours, like what do you do when there's no work to do? Like, is there something creative? Are you taking people from the shop and putting them in sales, like an outbound? Are you just having them fucking... I don't know, training. Are you sitting them down and making them watch training videos? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, I mean, you got all the maintenance stuff on every piece of machine that could be. Right, but usually you can do right. that in a couple of days. And then after that, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you have two months to kill. We, uh, I mean, we, we re in, uh, we relog all of our Pantone colors and put them on a Google sheet, you know, but all of a sudden it's We've like, you, you assign that. It's like, yeah, everyone goes through and uh, either shop owners that I would throw out those ideas on the call. And they're like, we've already done that. We've already done that. We've already done that. Like, well, I don't know. Well, that's the worst is like you have shit to do. Like you have a a list of things that you want to tackle and I'll sit in here and someone will come in like, Hey, I finished that. I finished re-alphabetizing this. Like, what do you want me to do now? And it's like, I don't fuck like, you don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know why you come to me for this. (laughs) we, We talk about how that's more stressful than actually being too busy. You know what I mean? You'd much prefer, wouldn't you much prefer to be like 20 jobs behind than not having anything to do, you know, it's crazy stressful. That's way worse. Yeah. And what's, what's in, I don't know if, if you two feel the same way, but, um, as dead as we are, at least in production, I mean, as the owner, I'm, I I feel like I'm never in a place where I'm twiddling my thumbs, not knowing what to do. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying is like, I have a list a mile long right now of projects I want to do and things I want to get done. But for them, it's, I don't, you know what I mean? They're just like, they have their thing that they do. And when they have nothing to do for that, I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know what to make you do. The, um, I mean, as I mentioned, we have a retail store and a re- retail brand and we cater to the local community. Uh, we're licensed with the uh, local university there. And so we are trying to f- like fill that part of our slow season into product development and design. So our in-house designer and our team that we have to create new products for our retail collections, we're in R&D right now and we're a little behind, but the the push and the scramble is let's get all of our sampling done right now. Like we have probably, you know, we could, we can do 10 to 20, 30 new designs, whether it's screen print and embroidery, uh, we can have samples done within two weeks because there's no, there's nothing on the, the schedule. So let's right. get the sampling done. Let's order the stock. Let's get the art dialed in. Let's run, let's set up the screens and do what we need to do when we actually have the time to spend time experimenting on the retail and creative side. Um, so, I mean, there's that element that we're hoping to fill, but we're just, you know, yeah. 
Can you dive into your story, like how you got into it, how you got started? And like, when did you, did it start with a retail brand or did that your print shop turn into a retail brand? How did that work? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll bounce around really quickly just to set some points. Um, we our print shops in Koyama. Uh, that's where all of our custom work and production is right now. We moved there about five or six years ago. Um, I started in the garage as a sophomore in college, living in, in this town called Isla Vista, which is adjacent to UCSB, the university there. Um, but as early, uh, the idea to start a print shop was as early as sophomore year in high school, 14, 15, just a lot of the same reasons and, and ideas that um, some other shop owners have, which it sounds like uh, just the interest to want to make something, um, have this kind of combination of obsessive compulsiveness and um, the interest to make things. So I had, I, I still have this old business plan that a friend of, uh, an old friend of mine um, wrote up like in a donut shop sophomore year saying, this is what we want to do and how we do it. Um, and I spent four years researching t-shirtforums.net, um, Googling everything you could. Google didn't exist with um, that much information, but I just clawed at trying to understand what was the screen print process. So by the time I, I ended up renting uh, a house with a garage with a bunch of my college friends sophomore year, tried to convince them to get the house with the garage. The idea was that they thought that would be kind of like a party lounge. And I didn't tell them that <laughs> the second that we signed that lease, I, I found a it's small little manual print shop a uh, hundred miles away, grabbed a U-Haul, dragged everything out, threw some money into it and just, yeah, started a shop there. So yeah, I had some struggles in the garage during college, trying to balance out a full-time job and, you know, full-time student. Um, and then I had a business partner that, I met with about a year within my work where I started sourcing prints that I couldn't do, whether it was, uh, you know, black sweatshirts in a manual shop with like a 110 flash and a really shitty scamp dryer. Just can't get some of that stuff done. Um, and we struck up a relationship, uh, experienced screen printer that had a small business for 15, 20 years. And then, um, and about a, a year after, as I was moving into my junior year, we found a small little retail place in Isla Vista in this small college town, about 750 square foot, um, place. And we leased it. We said, let's go in 50, 50, you run all the production. I do all the sales and artwork and let's just see what happens. And so that place, that original location is still our office and still our retail store. Nice. Um, yeah, about a year into that business, we found a little commercial space outside of um, Isla Vista, about ten minutes away, and we we've been we were, had a print shop out there. So by the time I graduated, um, that was in 2011, I had a retail store and an office in our original location, and a print shop just on the other side of town in Santa Barbara, um, <laughs> where we had some employees and print away. So you I mentioned kinda, that you switched, like you went from production to sales and artwork he was he was skilled he was he came from an old school print shop in the the 90s like he knew everything about screen printing um and i leaned on to him as a contract printer for about a year until we figured out hey there's an opportunity here for us to come together and see if we could make this work so yeah he handled production and i handled sales and art and development. But over the years with over the years, that retail store, that office was, it's evolved into what it is now, which is our retail brand Island View Outfitters. So 
that's kind of the two entities is this retail space and then High Desert Print Co. being our custom. And how how is that working out for you? Like, uh, tell me more about the retail brand stuff. Like, how did it start? Were you just like you put out a couple things and s- to see how it did, and now it's like this full fledged thing? Or yeah, it's it's been a it's been a really fun journey because I mean, obviously, there's a creative expression that's really important, and it's 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 fun to see how that's grown over these 15 years. Um, Isla Vista, just to explain it a little bit, is a really dense square mile college town right next to UCSB. It's right on the coast and it's majestic. People who've who've never or who've been there is like, Isla Vista, man, you go there and wow, like college is is a heaven. You know, there's houses on the bluffs overlooking the water and there's everyone's riding bikes and surfing. It's like it literally doesn't feel like college to most people who went to a college. And so there's this beauty behind it where it's a really unique community and a really unique culture. And it's literally 20,000 kids packed into four blocks. So it's like everyone's bunked up. It's you could walk down the street and every single, you know, neighbor is a friend or in a class. And so there's like this really high energy, high kind of um, community that's there. And we, we, we were just right in the middle of it. So a lot of your sales came from brick and mortar and not like from a website or marketing, you know, your brand on a website. And did they come into your store and buy some of your brand things? And then also on like realize that you're a custom print shop and maybe place orders for you know, school and things like that. Is that how? Yeah, it worked? we we were primarily custom from from when I started. It's just the the relationships I had in college, fraternities and organizations and all that. People would be like, "Oh, go, you know, I love this screen printing, which is what our original name was. Go and get t shirts from there. Go talk to Garrett." And that's kind of how it's always existed as we've scaled. Um, and then, yeah, it it just worked where we had an epicenter right in the middle of that small downtown where people would come in and we put a couple designs out, people would pick them up. And I, I remember the first feeling of being in class and I, I sat down on at a, at a chair and looked in front of me to the right and to the left of me. And there was like all three different people were wearing three different designs that I designed. And it was just like mind blowing at that point um, being like, Whoa, like I touched those t-shirts. Like I helped print those. Like why are people <laughs> wanting to buy, like, why, why are people interested in the things that I'm doing? Which is like, again, we, I'd like to talk about, um, I'd like to talk about, uh, some imposter syndrome. I think that's an important thing with work identity and personal identity and how this small business, which is both creative and professional, like really ties, um, those two things together. But it's, yeah, it was, it was mind blowing to think why people would want to wear the things that I make. So, so dive into that. Yeah, more about the you just you say imposter syndrome? A little bit, yeah. Where it's like you're especially on the art side or creative or wanting to um, you know, finding some authenticity in a creative process and then putting yourself out there, this really sensitive, arbitrary creative space. Like, you know, there's things that um I don't know, maybe I think as artists, there's always a struggle of being confident about the work you do. And then there's this fear of putting out this vulnerable part of yourself, which is like this quiet, creative, private space um, and see if people are willing to accept it or reject it or have criticism towards it. I think that's just a really interesting um, part of the work that we do that is difficult for some people, including myself just being younger at the time. So yeah, it's hard. It's like, how do you put the the gas pedal on? I want to be creative. I want to just everything that we make, uh, we'll just put it out there and see if people if people don't want it. People don't want to buy it. 
So why do you, why do you call it imposter? Um, because lack of confidence is probably what it is where it's like, well, maybe I'm not good enough for this, or maybe, um, Mm -hmm. I'm not creative enough. Maybe do I have what it, do we have what it takes for, um, you know, people to like what we do. I a hundred percent get what you're saying right now. Like I fully, fully get it because like I've had that with just stuff here as a, as you know, upstate and like doing marketing things or doing different things where you kind of feel like I'm fucking so in over my head on this right now. And I'm trying to do something creative and different, but that's like, I feel like a very small part of like what you're talking about, but I fully get it with this project that I'm like trying to do now is the T club thing, the New York T club. Yeah. Cause originally when I first started doing it, it was, we talked about this all forever ago, but our buddy, uh, Mr. Vegas, we call him now TC and, uh, Justin Lawrence both were talking to me about doing, uh, like a New York tea club because there really isn't one. And originally I was like, okay, yeah, I should try this. And I really like to dive into projects like this just to learn from it. Not necessarily to care if it takes off to be this big thing or whatever, but like I can learn from like this process and it's my industry. So I kind of want to get into it. So more and more I dug into it and the more and more I got like things done the way I wanted them done. I was like, I don't really want to do a tea club. Like I don't want to do a subscription service. I just want to make like a, I just want to make fun shirts of shit that I want. You know what I mean? Like things that I think are cool. Um, but I want it to be New York themed because I love where I live. I love the small town. I love upstate New York with uh, the vibes and everything that it puts off. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this tea club. And I already called it New York tea club. So like I kind of wish I did a different name at this point, but yeah, like I made these designs that are just like aliens and fucking Sasquatches and like, you know, shit that has to do with New York, like the food and all this other stuff and being a print shop and seeing all these things you do for all these other people. You're like, Oh, I could sell shirts. Like no fucking problem. I could make a cool design, put it online and it's going to sell. I'm going to print 200 of each and I'm going to sell them all instantly. And it was like super humbling to be like, yeah, dude, that's not how it fucking works at all. Like, you know, I made some of them work really well. Some of them didn't work so much. The other problem is too, is like time management. Like I feel like I would be doing awesome with it if I spent all day, every day on it. And like you said, like making samples and getting involved with the university and like all this other stuff. It's like, if I did that with this, I feel like it would really take off, but it's like, I'm doing it on the side. I think and I so. feel like you can't have a brand on the side. It's not going to do well. Mm-hmm. Like you need to dedicate like so much time and energy to it. Uh, Maybe, and- uh, but I think also, you know, we were in, when we were in Scottsdale, we went to old town and this was on uh, I think we went on a Saturday, but there were thousands of people walking from store to store down a main street type of thing, you know? And so if you have that, which you don't, you know, if you have that, that's what I'm saying. I don't like, have that. You do. No, have so you, that. you were relying completely on somehow marketing, whether it was Instagram or Facebook or something like right. that. And that's, that's a slower growth. Although I think you could gain momentum and, and build off of that. And like you said, if you had somebody dedicated to trying to market that, but you know, I think that, um, I think that would you would have you would have experienced a way easier path if you just had a place where people walked in, you know. Regardless, because I've seen that here too. We have we have a bunch of different main streets and different cities in St. Louis where they have stores where people just walk in and they browse around and buy shit. You know. Yeah. 
And so maybe Here, you should- elaborate on that. Is it that easy? Like, did you find that it was easier to just have being a cool part of town and have shit hanging up and people just buy it because they walked in and thought it was cool? Yeah. Yes. And no, it's, it's, those are all interesting points because there's, there's other shops that popped up in the area that seem to have really cool stuff. And then they're out a year later, you know? So like the, the other side of it is like, what is that? What is that like intangible thing, which we can probably find some tangibility to it, but like, what is that like intangible thing that makes people wanting to come back? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think for a while I doubted it. It was kind of always like your point. There was so much work in trying to develop this space, which is two parts. It's it's like a cultural community space, right? Like we're part of this college town's personality. The turnover in businesses, at least in this small town, are really high. And so at this point, it's it's interesting to to note that we're one of the small handful of businesses that have been in business for over 10 years there, which for me seems really weird because A, that dates me, but there's there's a reality that all the all of these students that have passed through every single year, right? There's 20,000 kids, 5,000 kids graduate, 5,000 kids come in. And as you turn over that every 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 year, uh we have, you know, we 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 have people regard us as this really interesting community pillar. Which again, as I try to separate that thought from the work that I do, because it's just unsuspecting for me at some times, right? We, yeah. yeah, we are creative. Yeah, we we invest in partnerships and relationships, and we print for all of these different people. And people people have picked up on what um, this personality is, but it's like not me, right? It's like this this other entity that's not myself. So it's weird to kind of have that step away and mm-hmm. listen to people like, oh my gosh, I love. I love your store. Like I've been following it since I was a senior in high school and I got into the, you know, college and I'm here every time. It's like, whoa, what? Like, wow. So there's still a lack of understanding in regards to like, what is it actually that would, that, that creates an identity that people want to tie the, their own identity to. Um, and I really didn't invest in that for many years. It was just like the side project that was, you know, too much time, too much creative energy. We're focusing on production. We're focusing on the custom growth. Like I don't have the capacity to think about how do we build a brand? And then you all of a sudden you're running two separate companies. Like yeah. you said, Dylan, which we are, we've, we've grown from a small print shop that had, I don't know, like a PayPal account or like some credit card swiper, the POS systems, even 12 years ago is really different than your Shopify omni-channel POS iPad and your e-commerce that all ties into ShipStation where you can ship as you need it. Like it's, it's crazy how much that's changed even the last 10 years, but it, 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 we've had to essentially grow this retail storefront, which is one set of operations. We had to grow the, the e-commerce part of that, which is a whole nother set of development and logistics. And then we have to run all the custom stuff and you're scaling into a small business, uh, you know, trying to just learn how to print t-shirts into like, how do I develop my HR? How do I develop my IT? How do I develop my, my design work? How do I figure out my procedures for, you know, collections and then social media and then paid ads and all these things that are like totally exponentially scaling. And all of a sudden it's like, I don't have, we don't have capacity to do this or the money. So what are your tips on that? Like, what do you do? when you you're faced with the print shop and the retail, like 
do you do both or did you kind of hire somebody to be like, all right, you're going to do research on the retail and okay, you're going to do marketing on the retail. Like how, how did you go about that? And what do you think I should do? What do you think? I Do you think I should hire somebody to just fucking figure it all out? Or do I freelance somebody to be like, do the marketing for this? So can you tell me more about your t-shirt club? It's, it's a Shopify store and you're using Shopify store. I'm using ShipStation. I'm doing it as just like a fun project. Like I said, for me, it's, it's a totally side thing. I could give two shits if it makes any money at all. I just, I just want to do it. I want to see what's possible. I want to see what are the do and don'ts with it. Because the thing is, is it translates for me to all these brands that walk in all the time that are like, Oh, I want to do a clothing line and and I want to do this. I want to do that. And now I can be like, well, actually this works. This doesn't do this. Cause if they succeed, I succeed because they print more shirts with us. Um, yeah. but for me too, like I said, like I've been doing this for forever. It's kind of cool to be like, Oh, I have an idea of, you know, this localized food thing that I think would do really well and people would like it. And I have a really rad designer that can make it and I can print it for cheap. And I could just sell it to people because I think it's cool. Like, that's kind of what it is. But I don't want to let it die either. Like, I put enough into it where I kind of want to push it. But I just know myself that if I just do it, like, here and there, like, put 10 minutes, 20 minutes into it once every two weeks, it's never going to happen. I I kind of want to see it succeed. So I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, if you define what the value is, then you should find um, some help and hire someone that can implement that strategy. I think that's that's probably my biggest suggestion to my younger self is hiring people and have the human capital to do the things that I've been wanting to do. That's always the right. issue, right? And I look back now and I was really bootstrapped. I didn't have help. I, you know, bought my press with all money from a high school job and I, I really couldn't see through the like, oh, well, I don't have enough money to hire somebody else. So I'll do it. And that's like a constant issue as a small business owner, as you're trying to scale is like, how do we do this? Oh, we got to move a shop. Like, let's get a hiring crew. It's like, no, it's too expensive. Let's just like throw everything in the back of the pickup and do a hundred trips and back then, and forth. And then and you realize like, you should have just fucking hired that? the crew. Yeah. So over time you learn like over and over, hopefully you're, you're scaling your, your like time value. But if I were to go back and do it again, I'd probably... I'd go get a loan or I'd go, I'd hire, I'd hire somebody to say, I have way too much stuff to do. I don't know why I'm convincing myself that I can do it all. Like give yourself some, some space to rest, but also allow other people to, you know, join in on this idea and give them direction and develop it. And it sounds like you have uh, your, your brand is very um, it's, 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 it's a, it's place centric, right? So it's the same with us. Like we're regional, um, you know, college town extending into Santa Barbara and the, and the beautiful 805 coastline. It's like, so I don't know what your paid marketing is or your social, but we're obviously in a day and age where content creation is absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. We're, we have the beauty that we're in a college town where there's 20,000 kids that will die to do social media content creation because that's how they eat and breathe. Like I can't, I don't do that stuff. It's really hard for me to be on any social media. So why don't I have all these kids that are really interested in taking a concept and having that uh, degenerate experience uh, to do it. So it sounds like there's, you know, social media development that is needed content for you, but also just local marketing. I think that um, we do paid ads on Facebook and Instagram. It's really easy for us to set a demographic of, you know, uh, push this ad out within 20 miles. Yeah. So and you're finding good success with that? Yeah, we do. 
our our retail store is about 30 to 40% of our our total revenue for our business. So it's essentially our biggest customer. Um, but it's also our showroom and it's the best way for us to attract other uh customers that want Dylan, to have you print. have you done any paid ads? No, that's what I mean. Like I haven't done much of that. I think my biggest strategy in the beginning was just like, okay, cool. Like I know enough people that are, you know, good looking influencer type people. I'll just be like, I'll just print some stuff and I'll find the people that in New York would catch the most eyes or something. And I'll just send them a bunch of stuff and then they post about it. And then we sell a bunch of stuff and whatever. But like, I need that constantly. I feel like, I feel like I need that again. Like, I don't have a retail spot. I don't have anything local. The one thing I did find was there are uh, like wholesale options where there's like cool shops in New York that are like, yeah, I want to buy wholesale of this and sell it in my store because I think it's cool. Now you so could like, go in a boutique or something. Somewhere. Right. Like I found that, like I've been doing that, which is cool. Um, but I just feel like I want to dedicate this year. I want to dedicate more time to it. Like I want to, I don't know. I just want to see where it goes. Like, it's just a fun side project. And we talked about this in the last couple of episodes and this is kind of off topic, but it's just kind of like, to be honest, I'm a little bored. Like I've, the, the company is doing great. It kind of runs itself. I'm traveling, I'm doing stuff and yeah, I'm trying to keep growing the company, but it's like, I have no more projects. Like I have all the equipment I need for the most part, the building's done being renovated. Like I kind of want like a fun side project. That's just like scratches that itch of like, creativeness i think that's a really really cool space that you're in and a you've recognized it but yeah that means you have so much opportunity it sounds like you have stability in a lot of your business but it sounds like you need to find the right person or resources to make sure that you execute that and if you're not as experienced um you know, in trying to push that, find someone that, that is find a consultant well, that, and, and make that happen. That's the thing too, is like, I'm always very against like partnerships and stuff like that. But I feel like with something like this, that I kind of like, I care about, but I don't care about like the financial aspect of it too much that like, maybe I do find a partner who's like really good at that kind of thing and just be like, Hey, like I'll do the printing and the creative if you're willing to do all the other shit. And then we'll just split it 50-50. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't know if I necessarily do that or I just hire a freelancer where I'm like, here's a project for you to handle. Yeah, I would, I would, on my first experience with partnerships, I would. Um, I have a really bad experience with partnerships. So like that to me is like crazy to say out loud. Yeah. But <laughs> Well, can you tell me about that actually? Like, what was your partnership experience and where do you, so it seems like you're, you've come full circle to having consideration. And I want to know from that. Well, I mean, obviously I learned the do's and don'ts with the partnership. Um, but like when I first started the print shop again, I think it's just being naive and not knowing what goes into it. And you, I have too much trust in people, I feel like. And that's what it's funny. Cause like you always get called like a bitter old man sometimes, like when you you're doing this long enough, but it's like, I just don't have that trust in people as much anymore. And it's like, in the beginning, I was like, oh, I want to start a business. And I worked at a print shop in Atlanta and I was always in the sales office and I was really good at what I did. And I decided Atlanta wasn't for me. And there was a guy in the print shop who was like buddy, a buddy of mine. And we'd hang out after work and whatever else. And I told him, I'm like, Hey, I'm moving back to New York. I'm just going to start my own company there. 
Um, this is what I want to do. And he's like, Hey, I'm not tied to Atlanta. Like I have no ties. I don't care. I can move and like help you print. Like you could, I could be your first employee. And I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah, that's cool. Like, come on, let's do this. And then like a week or two before I left, he's like, Hey, what if I like helped you more and like help buy equipment? Like if we were partners and I like, again, like that relationship in Atlanta, the way that company ran was, it was partners where it was like one guy who ran, uh, production one guy who ran sales and they got along well because they stayed in their lane and uh i was like well obviously it works here like fuck it like let's do it because i don't want to print i want to i want to be in the office i want to do the sales and all that other stuff so we got up here and i realized that i had a way stronger work ethic and i like was committed to do whatever it took to make the company work like i would print till any hour and I would travel anywhere and I would do anything for a customer to get it done. And he was more looking for like the quick book and he was the last one there. First one to leave kind of situation. And, Oh, I'm the owner. So I'm taking like this big draw and, you know, I'm not working holidays and all this other stuff. And it's like, dude, it's not how it fucking works. Like you have to, like, he was our worst employee basically. Like once we got going and started hiring, he was like the worst one. And then I had to do the whole thing of like, I need you to fucking leave. Like, I need you to not be here anymore. And he was like, no, I don't want to be bought out. I want to keep doing it because it was a cash cow. And then it got to the point where everyone here was so fucking pissed at him that like, he finally got the hint. Like, we don't fucking want you here. And then I bought him out and he left. Um, and then luckily that was like in the early years, we didn't have any autos yet or anything. We just had like a couple manuals. We had everything, but it was growing quickly. And then, uh, yeah, like, as soon as he left, it was like a huge cloud had been lifted and like everyone felt so much better. It was like that toxic employee thing. So like for years and years, I was like, nope, not fucking doing it ever again. Cause I don't think anybody's going to work as hard for this as I am. Um, but like I said, now I'm kind of in that mode of what you said, like, you know, handing stuff off to people and trusting their expertise and stuff. And this whole thing that I want to do, my expertise is the production and the art. But I have no expertise in like the whole like let's do like this uh, new age social marketing and retail space and all this other stuff. So I'm kind of like, if I can find somebody who's passionate in that aspect, I'd be willing to be like, all right, let's do a partnership. Because for me, it's not my main thing. Like when I had the partnership in the print shop, that was my lifeblood. Like if I didn't success and have success in this, I didn't eat. So like if I didn't have success in the partnership on a clothing brand, I'd be like, who gives a fuck? Like. I just don't do this anymore. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. If like, if it, if it makes sense, I'd be willing to do it, but I don't know. So it sounds like though, like, I think what I've been able to experience too, is it's just like, it's, it's proper expectation setting and, and setting the right boundaries on what people are inputting into a project or an entity to make it successful. And then also allowing that space to change and have part of that, uh, basically allowed to have uh, a conversation about what those boundaries look like. I feel like that was the most difficult thing about partnership is we didn't allow the space to, to look at objectively what a business, what a business is for us and how it's changed, which is constantly changing. But if we don't change our expectations or our job roles within something that's constantly changing, then there's going to be some friction at some point. So mm-hmm. I don't know, to your point of, you know, coming back to a, to a way to uh, consider a new business partner, it sounds like 
there's more fundamental understanding on what a relationship or a partnership is supposed to offer. And there's also um, the conversation, whether it's sensitive or vulnerable enough to say what happens when, what would happen when all of these scenarios um, are pressed against, you know, uh, us and how do we navigate through, you know, disagreement, how do we navigate through uh, unhappiness or if one person wants to do one thing versus the other, like you need to really have your due diligence and partnerships yeah. and, and know all of the exit strategies and be okay with those, right. Be okay yeah. with how do you resolve this conflict? I think once you get past there where you can set the right boundaries and move those boundaries within the relationships and partnerships, then it's less about the risk of having someone uh, have a different opinion, but knowing that two people or multiple people can navigate through this always changing landscape and being okay with that changing in a very, uh, I don't know, man, positive way. It takes some really mature people. And I, and I think most of the time, I mean, what you said is true that you have to be okay with the business evolving and changing because it's going to, but I think the, what complicates it even more is that the individual or the person evolves and changes. You know, because when you start the business on on day one, you may be in a completely different situation personally. Are we talking about businesses or marriages? I'm talking about personal <laughs> lives. Because I think that probably plays even more part, more into why a partnership is going to fail than just necessarily the business evolving and scaling. I think that personally, you may start on day one, the business not married with, you know, with no kids. And then three or four years later, you're married with kids and a dog and a house and mortgages and you know, all these kind of other things. And so maybe that's why you're not working as hard. You know, like, look, um, you have to, you have to be able to go all in and work your ass off to make for the startup or for this business. But then you have a kid and a wife, you know, in a house and stuff. And so it just changes. I think that it's really tough. And that's why I avoid partnerships. <laughs> yeah. Um I, not that they can't work because they do and we know we have friends that that have that are partners in in, yeah. in their shops but you know it's just like a band you know like you start a band when you're 16 or 18 or 20 or whatever and the next thing you know you're 25 and you break up and you tell each other fuck off you can't even you don't even talk to each other. Why would you put your um brand this this thing that you started that means a lot to you in jeopardy by by bringing on a partner when you could just hire somebody to do it. You said money doesn't matter. I would definitely uh, go that route first. Let me put that, make that clear. Like I would go the, let me hire somebody to do it thing first. But I feel like, mm -hmm. I don't know if, if that didn't work out, it's either that or it dies because I don't have time to do everything. Well, here's another, another option, at least in regards to uh, developing that brand. But if you have cash and, and you're looking at like, are there old t-shirt shops somewhere in New York that, that might be for sale? Like, would you be interested in maybe taking over a retail space that's on the way out that you can vertically integrate and design your own stuff and know that there's already like, you know, a flow of traffic there and just by acquisition, essentially yeah, that's uh, true. look at that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is we've talked before, but there's a town near me that sounds exactly like your vibe of where you are. It's Ithaca, where Cornell University is. Mm -hmm. And like Ithaca to me is a place that I've never been able to like attain because everybody in that town is very like we only buy local. We only and it's like, dude, you're 20 minutes from me. Like it's not not local. It's just like if you're not in that small area of town, they could care less if you existed. So, like, I've always wanted to buy, like, or rent, like, a satellite location in Ithaca 
so that I can say like I have a business in Ithaca. Like I want. How far to is a business it? Now. Like a drive? It's like, yeah, it's like 25, 30 minutes. Oh, it's not bad. So what's what's holding you back from that? Like, what's what's the cost of finding a small office for years? Space? It was just because uh, it was going to be expensive. Like, it's going to be a it's going to be a risk. Like, it's going to be a okay. Like, let's. I, cause if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. I don't want it to be some like shitty little corner thing that like, I don't have money to put into like making it look nice and renovate and all this other stuff. And it's kind of like, also too, like who works there? That's my thing too. Is like, I'd have to hire somebody from there that I trust to like run it by themselves basically. Yeah. Unless it's me that I just like give up on the shop for a while. I mean, like I said, it kind of runs itself, but like, I like being here every day and there is shit for me to do. Like I do have a lot of stuff that I do. And it's like, do I just dedicate a year of my life to like going there every day? And then I eventually hire somebody and train them and then they take over in their management and everything else. It's like, it's just been a thing that's always been on my mind. And I'm yeah. kind of like more and more like talking about like this tea club thing and uh, listening to you talk. Cause it's kind of like make it like literally I looked down for a little while, wrote myself a note and it was like, look into re- retail space in Ithaca again. Like I literally sent myself that note like 20 minutes ago and yeah. it's like, I kind of, I'm, that might be my new thing. Like I said, I'm kind of bored. Like it might be my thing to be like, Oh, I guess let's look into Ithaca again. Well, let me, let me, let's, let's run that scenario really quickly. At least from my experience, if you, I don't know what the overhead is out there. I don't know what, it's let's expensive. just look at, let's look at the opportunity though. Right. So if you have some hybrid store, you have some Ithaca based uh, merchandise that you designed because you're a designer and you could print it and you have the team to do all these really cool things. You're just interpreting, you know, what the community might want. So you have the cost of setting up a retail store, at least on the Shopify side uh, and making product is really easy for you, right? Like you could turn that out in half a second. So your, your biggest cost is probably the lease and then also employment, but like what type of employment would that require? Is that someone that's like sitting behind the counter that's making the shop look nice, sending new product, folding, tagging, managing Basically, that? Yeah. Then boom, you already have an online store, which is a totally different space. You don't need to, you know, if you're, if you're just trying to give this a shot, you, you can go as all in or as, as hands off on a, on an e-commerce store, but that's already connected to your Shopify that you've already set up. So that's done. But then the other side of it is that it opens up the opportunity for anyone that is local, like you're saying to do custom work. And so you get three, $2,000 jobs every month from there. Right? Like what is like, there's that you've just opened up the ability to cover the cost of all of your work. And so what I'm saying is that having a brick and mortar can bring in what you're saying that you don't have is the walk-in business because proximity to a city like that in Ithaca, it's important for them. You have the other opportunity for the the retail consumer to come in and buy something that they want on your retail brand. Um, and then when you go into, well, I don't know, how do I wheel and deal if I'm not there and someone comes in looking for a custom job, how, how do I have a retail um, employee, try to figure that out and get the sale. And it's like, well, and you know that yourself, like we run Slack, we have submission forms, we have remote employees that are customer service. Um, all that information just funnels in. And it's really easy for us to hold that person who comes in. That's, you know, looking at quality stuff in your store saying, I want to do exactly this, but like for my Ithaca club and I have a $5,000 budget. So then all of a sudden you could look at those numbers again. It's like, what's the actual cost of, 
employing the store Monday through Friday and a 12 month lease and figure out what is, you know, your, like, what's your, what's your break even by having, um, an experimental retail line and another access point to drumming up all this new custom business that you, you don't have. Yeah. That might make I think, sense. I think the funny thing is, is like, I'm very confident in the fact that I would do really well there because a, I could just get local business that now knows that I'm there. But the other part of it is I could probably get a ton. I could just get the, the licensing or whatever from Cornell and do work for Cornell alone, it would probably pay more than my rent and everything else. So it's like that's complicated though. I could do it. No, I know I've done it before, like locally, and I kind of dropped off of it because I just didn't want to have to do the whole approval process bullshit over and over again. A quick story about that is we were in Florida a few months ago and we went to this coffee shop probably four times in the morning, every morning, four mornings. And in front of this coffee shop, right when you walk in, there was a a little retail, like a merch section that I could tell was separate from the actual coffee shop. Somebody else, like maybe a printer around said, hey, I'm going to put up this merch section and I'll staff it. We'll have the merch and I'll sell some merch out of there because they were had separate registers and everything because there was a person sitting there. And every time, all four mornings that we went there, the person that was sitting there was on their phone. That's all they did. They didn't look up. They didn't look at me, didn't look at Joanne. In fact, we had a conversation on the third morning when we were, because we'd go get our coffee and we'd go on a walk. And we on our walk, we were like, oh my God, that what a waste is happening right now. Like, even if they sell, just sit, how many shirts do they have to sell like every hour to pay for that? Just that, you know, employee and, and whatever space they're agreeing to, you know, to lease out or whatever, however that works. And so I think that um, you have to be very careful because for me anyway, if I'm going to have that satellite location, I'm not staffing it with just one person. One, that's there's a security issue, you know, that's dangerous. And so you have to figure probably two people. And so I think I, all I'm saying is like, I think it's a bigger investment than you're thinking. Because I know because, all those variables and it's scary. And I just haven't made that I haven't made that leap yet. And what and what you said earlier is probably the truest statement. And that is, is if you're going to have this, um, you know, this T-shirt brand or this brand that you have to you can't it can't be a side thing. You know, you no. have to really be you have to have somebody that's full-time and probably more than one person that's full-time you know what i mean so it's yeah, not i know you can't what you half, that's can't why i've thought about this you, for years it's not right. a new a new thing <laughs> and what garrett what you're saying is accurate because you could do all those things so dylan could have that satellite location and could have i'm a person i think i just need straight. to hire garrett as a consultant to come up and just start up my retail brand and you know then, i've that's I not have a bad idea of time tons right. of time i can do that <laughs> That's all I'm hearing is this like, oh, I surf every day and I let my hair flow in the wind and I got nothing else to do. Go go to my coffee shop, get a smoothie and go right. to, yeah, and just go hang out on the beach. And no, that's quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. <laughs> but um yeah, I will say though, the benefit of having custom as our bread and butter, as it always has been, has allowed us to pay for some of those. Like I've seen, we've, we've printed, you know, we've, we've seen so many people come in with a retail brand concept and they're like, we want to do this and this and this. And at this point when people come in, I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, like go kick rocks. Like I know this, I know that first, that person or that, that request. And um, I mean, having custom be that second channel of revenue or the first channel of revenue has allowed us to take our time on retail to invest in it. Um, and if we just started as a retail brand, we wouldn't be there. So the benefit of having that additional 
revenue stream has allowed us to be a little bit less hands-on on a daily basis. Cause you're right. It is just really difficult, but time's yeah. in our favor and we have the place. And now that I'm looking back after 12, 13 years, it's, it's, it's taking on its own form where, where the, the culture is, you have to go to this place, right? There's a, there's a community that's like, go here, go here, go here. And that's out of my own control. So in some way, shape or form by just being, being in a certain place, um, has allowed us to, it, the, the brands developed on its own in ways that we don't, I never expected. Real quick, before we do questions, what's next for the print shop and the retail? I want to know we talked about a lot of topics and we were, this was great and you were amazing, but like real quick wrap up your sh- retail, your shop, what's new, what's, what's happening next. What are you excited for? Yeah, I'd say um, the last two years have been really, really great for us. Um, just profitability has been, um, an, I, I don't know, breaking even for like 10 years. There's, there's something before I, wrap that up. I don't want to get too deep into it, but, um, just the existentialism of trying to trust yourself in a process is, is probably really hard for a lot of us small business owners that break even, break even, break even. It's like, why are we doing this? Is this the right thing I should be doing? When am I going to close these doors? Do I need to go get another job? Like, and, and working more hours than you really can put in for way less you know, less than minimum wage. And there's just the, that constant struggle of trying to get to a place of, okay, how do I write this business so that it actually, um, it pays for my time. And then how can you get into a place where there's a sense of comfort and then allow yourself to not live in this mentality of like always on the struggle and get into a place where it's like, oh, let's have momentum. This feels good. And so the last couple of years have been transformative for us. Um, I think we're getting our return on investment in this rural shop. Uh, I wouldn't do it any other way. Uh, We have an amazing team that's been there for over two years. We have a staff of six out there. Um, that are full-time. And w- we just picked up our second auto last year and we're just rolling. Um, our sales have been constantly growing and it we feel like we're at the place where our employment stable with skilled workers who know what they need to do. We're all cross-trained on every machine, including our embroidery. Um, when someone's out, we can fill them in, but it just having that second auto has allowed us to increase our our output so much more that it doesn't feel like we're being flexed in the busy seasons. And yes, we're still busy, but so that part of custom in our print shop doesn't deteriorate my soul when we're in the busy season, trying to manage the logistics on a single press. So that momentum has been absolutely fantastic and I'm all in for the ride. Um, very happy with what we're able to do on the print side and the retail has been great. We hired a a local designer, a, a young kid that's, that's that's able to supplement me on the design work. We have an amazing team of retail associates that all go to the college there. And so they just, they're, we our culture on both sides, which is very different of this rural remote place and this coastal kind of eternally young college kid. It's just, we have a really cool balance that are doing different things. And I'm in a place where I can really start to leverage people to do things that I'm, I'm used to be the one to always do it. So I'm in this place now where I'm scaling, I'm in this no man's land of our, like, I think shop size with like two autos and just, I still have to do a thousand different things a day, but it's really fun to be in that, that conflict of, you know, I know this sucks, but I also appreciate it. And yeah. there's like more for that. And so uh, you, you mentioned that you're getting bored. 
And maybe you found that equilibrium of this is great. My numbers look good. I have great employment. Our sales are consistent. Like now, like you, you've opened up part of your, your, your mind of like, what do I want to do next? I'm at a point still where I'm like still clawing to like, where can I get to the point where I can take a breath, but I know I'm close, but it's still like, I have a million things to do. So how do I accomplish all these things that are really energetic, whether it's retail or custom or growth or rebrand or X, Y, Z, you know? So I guess in a nutshell, I'm, I'm appreciative of all of my experience and where we are and the people, um, the people are really the most important in, in the business is, is, uh, the yeah. folks who support me and I support them too. Yeah, no, I, I fully appreciate all that. And yeah, I, I really want to fucking visit now. Like Andy, we have to go there. Yeah. I, I always, I, I, I love visiting shops. I know people do, um, it's, it's interesting because there's it Kuyama is so far away from anything. Like it almost doesn't make sense for anyone to come visit our print shop because we're 50 miles from any city. You know, it's literally the middle of, of somewhere. And, um, but maybe one day, maybe people will come yeah, on but who, in. And, who gives a shit? We come, we hang out for a day or two where you're at now. And then we take the two hour drive around the mountains and we see fucking. All right. The I'd shop, love it. Dude. I'd Let's love do it. it. Yeah. It'd be awesome. I'll be all down. Cool. Night in or night out. Night in. What are you doing on your night in? Hanging out with me because that's my answer too. Yep, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> on night uh, in with know, Andy? That sounds fucking... It's going to be I'm a lot a, of lotion involved. I, 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 well, I don't know. I'm, I'm a busy person, but I'm a homebody. I'm out in the desert half the time. Uh, I have a great, great, you know, life out here in Santa Barbara. And there's, I always feel like I'm being pulled to do things. Um, but it, ultimately it's just, I want to come home and relax. I want to read a book, watch something, cook some food. Yeah. Pretty does basic. Sound, does sound good. Uh, something random that brings you joy. Mm, pottery. Pottery. Potter. Yeah. You make yeah. pottery. I make pottery. Yeah. I've been doing it for about seven years. How the fuck do I get some of your pottery? Um, shoot me a text. I don't know. Hell yeah. Can I come I, by and we could do the whole ghost scene? I'd love to. Yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah. Clothing optional. But um, there's, yeah, I I think there's a correlation of like people in our industry that likes to make things or hands-on or at least understanding this, this process. Right. So printing t-shirts, there's a process and same thing with pottery. I don't know. I I find a lot of people um, that own shops or in print that do similar things that are just makers. Um, And it's fun to have purposeful things like a t-shirt's a very purposeful type of art and same with ceramic. So all like yeah. my all my my plates and cups and mugs and stuff are all handmade, which has more personality. And you know, you you drink from a coffee cup that you make, and it just like feels more. It's cool. It's just right. enjoyable. So um, I'm on a hiatus right now because uh, it doesn't it hasn't brought me joy. It felt like more work. So I don't have inventory, but uh, I'll revisit it in the spring, and then I'll make you guys some mugs and oh, send them your yeah. way. Yeah, there was a girl that uh, I found that does like pottery makes mugs and all this other really cool stuff locally and i hired her i just really liked her work and i messaged her and i was like i didn't even know how how local she was but she's like literally like not that far at all like down the road and uh yeah i just i've hired her twice now in the past couple months to make like upstate mugs i don't have one right in front of me but they're really really cool like they got like the logo on the front they got you know she she even like put like trees and sasquatches on each mug and like all this stuff and uh, at first i didn't realize that you how much went into making a mug like by hand 
And I was like, I was like, can I just order like 20 mugs? And she was like, uh, yeah. And she made them and then they were gone like instantly. And I was like, Hey, I need like another 20 mugs. Yeah. And it took like another month and a half to get me like 20 more mugs. Yeah. And it's like, I want to just keep buying them because people like them and it's a cool handout, but yeah, they're all handmade. All right. Any next question? She presses her 10. Well, I have two presses now. Um, I would, I, I think two presses, but it would be really interesting to have 10 presses and see actually what that, what that means. I mean, that's like scaled operations, employment, logistics. And there's a part of me that's like really neurotic on logistics and process. So it'd be really fun to dial in those efficiencies at 10. But, um, but so then when I, you're ready for a break, you scale back to two. And you scale back and we got to do the thing. We're slow. We have to fire 70% of our staff like zoom. And then you're like having these, uh, the fear of letting people go. You're like, no, we'll just, yeah, I don't know. I think the 10 auto shop isn't sustainable. Um, maybe for my type of life, some other shops might be like, this is what we do and how we do it. But yeah, it's kind of hard. There's two different like psychological, I think, um, like models there that, um, would be just fun to experience both. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you reading, watching, or listening to right now? Um, I got a Kindle in December and I've ne- I have not read as much as before. I, I, I read every single day with this Kindle now. And so I'm ripping through all the Jack Reachers. I'm a sucker for Jack Reacher. Um, and that's been, been something that I've been loving. And the last of us has been a great show. What is for dinner? You know, I was thinking some nice hot nudes. Yes. <laughs> noodles. Me too, dude. No, don't don't say noodles. Just hot nudes. Mm-hmm. Nice, fresh, hot nudes. Bully. Yes. Just Sounds a little good. butter on them. A little Greek, like oil them. Maybe a little oil. No, I, I like I like an Asian noodle. You know, <laughs> just like maybe some tofu or uh, some veggies in there and some, some soy sauce and you mix it all up. It's quick, you know. It sounds delicious. But, it does yeah. sound good. Um, thanks for being on, man. We really appreciate it. This was awesome. This was fun. I would like when we can like get into some deep conversation. And I feel like we did touch on your print shop some, but it was nice to have. We just had conversation the whole time about real meaningful things, not just like tell me about your press. Yeah. Well, I, I could always do that. I, I find, I, I don't know. I think I, if you, if you guys need a resident, like psychotherapist, you want to go in and yeah. psycho any of those things. Like, I go into speculation hour about all that stuff. And um, there is an importance about, you know, our sense of self and identity and vulnerabilities and the work we do because it's so emotionally driven um, in this like, arbitrary print practice. So yeah, you're right. It's really important to uh, have those conversations, which I don't think we have sometimes where it's just like, oh, we're running a business, running a business, running a business, but we don't really think about actually um, what it does for ourselves or how how we yeah. need to have this emotional conversation to it. So yeah, yeah. that's what we're trying to do, I guess. Yeah. We're trying to have a real I would talk. love to do that. In fact, I have over the past 30 days and more, I guess, specifically the last few days, um, I've really, really grown in some ways. Like an inch or two? From, uh, well, I am, I am on spinal decompression, which does, um, it's probably, he, they're trying to get like four centimeters. So that's not quite an inch. But I, I mean more, um, 
you know, when when you're going through something like I am, it's um, and I hit what I would call just rock bottom as far as physical max out pain, which then once you've done that for a, a long enough, it's just mental, and that's even harder. And um, I now have a different understanding and a huge different perspective on on stuff, and so. Um, that sort of emotional things, you know, is really important because you're, I'm going through all this and also running a business, you know, and so without being able to talk about that kind of stuff, um, with other shops and other, other people and friends, then it's, it's really, really hard to keep all that in. So yes, mm-hmm. I will take you up on that. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah. That's, that's a lot there. I mean, yeah. When you, when you have a physical pain and you're like, I don't want to do anything like that, that mental side of you're it, not I just want to give up. But you don't have the privilege or the ability to give up, right? Because you got another business to run. So it's just like mm-hmm. you're in this like weird suspension of I physically can't do this thing, which also in association, I just emotionally don't have the capacity to do this thing that is like the has a, a direct correlation to like work and survival and like the necessity. And there's people relying on me. And so then you're just like spinning in this in this place where it's like, I don't, I I just, I'm I'm like, I'm paralyzed in decisions. I don't know what to do and how to do it. So like you get to that place and it's like, do you have the resources, the people, the support or the practice within yourself to assess like that problem and be like, can I move through this inability to make a decision emotionally and physically and keep moving on? And that's, I think resiliency that I can see in both, both you guys in the work that you've done and how you're able to offer the space and grow a business. Like it, it's there. Right. And it's just hard though, to like constantly do that or find yourself in this place and find a different way out. Um, part of that's just living and the experience of life. But when you're in it, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And uh, it's, it's hard to find a way out. Hmm. Well put. Well, thank, thanks Garrett. We appreciate you, man. Go have uh, a wonderful day. And I hope you get lots of nudes tonight. Thank you. Lots of news. Some, some might be from me. So, hey, maybe that's that, that might get you a mug faster. Fuck yes. So, so many yeah. sweet shots. Appreciate, um, yeah, having this space for me to talk and and the, the want to listen. So, yeah. thank you so Thanks, much dude. again. Have a good day, man. Thanks, Jared. Take care. Later.